1: Hello, everyone. Welcome along to Road of Viz Overtime on Road of Viz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined by my co host here on the show, it is Sean Siegel. Sean, we are getting uh, ever closer to the NFL season. We have some preseason action happening, some uh, very positive uh, impacts from that, some maybe not as positive impacts. We're starting to see some injuries occur. Um, we'll be talking about that and, uh, a little bit more in today's show, but we're really going to be focusing in on today's show about some. Wide receivers who uh, maybe going at a little bit of a discount that can give you some uh, real upside on your roster. So looking forward to talking about that. We'll also be talking about some of the ongoing listener leagues where the listeners are are putting us uh, in a bind in some of the picks, uh, knowing kind of what we might be going to do. But Sean, um, how are you doing today?
2: Good. Like you said, it's been a lot of fun doing these listener leagues. We finally in listener league three have a pick toward the end of the round which is bad in general you get a lot worse value but uh, easier to execute the RVOT ot preferred strategy from that point you start out with the wide receiver and just keep going and so uh, this one we can say is a more traditional ot lineup and colin i like the looks of this team
1: yeah i think it's uh, started off much more um towards what we would normally be building um we we had a few draft slots early in the the rounds in those first two drafts that we're drafting against the listeners, um, and we got ourselves a later spot here, picking from uh, the one eleven spot. So um, we'll go through how the team is playing out. Before we do that, we are running one final league. We did these three leagues. We done a live uh, draft for the baseball tournament and uh, now we're doing this one here so i have it pretty much filled Uh, i know some people are going to end up being disappointed when they come in later in the week and uh, it might already be filled up but we we had it kind of capped at those original leagues but um so much interest we we went with another one so let us know if you're interested it will be a 35 dollar slow draft over at the ffpc in the baseball format but sean we kicked this one off we went with calvin ridley at the 111, obviously we were probably hoping that we might have got Stefan Diggs or Tyreek Hill there at that point. Um, George Kittle just going the pick before. Um, then we went with CeeDee Lamb in that early second round. So a lot earlier than we would uh, see him going in general. But we, we have talked about your season-long rankings for redraft this year and where Lamb would be in those. Then we go with Chris Godwin, uh, DeAndre Swift then going in the, late for the, the early fourth round. Uh, Tyler Boyd, Juju Smith-Schuster, um, then we get into our tight ends with Air Smith and Robert Tonyan, Ron Moore, who's one of our favorite guys. Then Zach Moss. The interesting part then, Sean, is we did double up on quarterback because other positional values kind uh, of evaporated, and we went with uh, Jalen Hurts and Matt Ryan. Uh, Sean, Sean's getting more Matt Ryan on his rosters, I think, than he originally wanted. But uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to keep. I'm going to keep pushing Matt Ryan his way. Uh, Sean, how how are you feeling about? How it's looking, um, much more to our build preference. Uh, The back-to-back tight end and back-to-back quarterback picks, um, what's your thoughts on those?
2: Well, I enjoyed being able to go ahead and pick Lamb. I was hoping that at the turn we wouldn't get both A.J. Brown and Justin Jefferson get one of those superstars back there with Ridley. But Lamb, obviously, uh, the talk of training camps and someone who should have a huge season this year, then Chris Godwin at the end of three in a listener league, I feel like that's very good value. We maybe see him fall to the fourth, maybe the mid-fourth in a lot of leagues. But given the normal wide receiver heavy, I mean running back heavy nature of our leagues, I really liked getting him there. You know, we did have some guys like Edwards Alaire, Mixon, Harris fall to the mid-third, which is a little bit unusual. Nick Chubb went at the turn in between our Godwin and DeAndre swift picks one of the reasons why some of those guys were there it was extremely heavy at tight end with Kyle Pitts and TJ Hawkinson going you know early in the third also uh, Goddard and Andrews going there a little bit of a hiccup I think on the auto draft with the Goddard picking and that's understandable it was expected to be uh, Hawkinson then wasn't he wasn't really anticipating the drafter in the three slot to take hawkinson after having taken darren waller in the first round but that moved some of the people back we got deandre swift who's someone we've been talking about swift obviously sitting with a groin injury that's something that uh, probably is a concern anytime these guys have started out with hamstring injuries groin injuries you are worried that that will linger and or at any moment could relapse and then uh, obviously you don't have any production there and Especially in in a best ball league, it's a little bit less of an issue. But anytime that you have a player who is going to go out and potentially play 10 snaps and then is done for the day, uh, that will really torpedo your scores. You asked about the tight ends and the QBs. I think that one of the things we see here is that uh, the tight ends in this format really elevated the listeners know that having the elite tight end is key to generating those win rates when a couple of the drafters Really stock up on tight ends early and we had three different drafters who did this who went tight end in rounds one and three the Kelsey Waller and Kill participants all took uh, Pitts, Hawkinson and Andrews then and so the rest of us kind of scrambling but in this listener league where we know the running backs are going to fall I like taking Irv Smith there we've talked about Tanya and someone who probably is a little bit undervalued especially now that Aaron Rodgers is back And then we get to this point where the QB is too. So one of the things that's very interesting about best ball is that it's so much a structural drafting question and puzzle. And you can go through the RCE and you can see that, okay, if I miss here or miss there, I start to have to play catch up. There are really a limited number of structures that work well. Now the extra sort of spice in this one is that listeners are playing it differently and when you have all 12 people with access to the roster construction explorer access to the best ball workshops then you have to kind of work around the fact that we're now all playing sort of on the same terms and that people know what they should be doing how do you react to that one issue in our leagues where you have to really fight to get that wide receiver value is that some of these quarterback decisions that are relatively easy in most leagues right you know that you're going to be able to hit your wide receivers you maybe already got your tight ends you have all of those running backs that you plan to target within structure and if you have a dead part or a flat part of the draft then that's when you take your first QB you have that kind of taken care of you hit another flat part of the draft that's when you take your second QB Uh, this is a lot different because we don't really have these flat areas early where maybe you can be patient because the key position wide receiver is going to be gone. That pushes down or you can take the QBs, but you still know that if you don't get QBs in the window, right, then you're not going to be as competitive. You still have to have QBs that will score points and allow you to win. The QBs for a while there were undervalued. And now this year we're having this kind of backlash where there are so many high scoring QBs that they do go early. Column, you and I got in a position here where we needed to wait at the QB. But I still do like our options. Jalen Hurts, one of these guys who uh, goes all over the place. I mean, you see him go up, you know, QB7, QB8, QB9. You see him down where he was in our draft at QB16. Mixed messages coming out of Eagles' camp. He has played extremely well in some recent practices, and it appears that his targets are maybe improving. The tight ends getting a lot of volume there in training camp. If Ertz stays and kind of gets back to, you know, 85, 90% of what he was, then suddenly you've got this dual tight end dynamo there. Jalen Rager starting to play a little bit better. Devontae Smith has been on the shelf, but I think we can expect an impact from him. The Eagles may go from this team looks very weak in terms of weapons to one that is at least mediocre and allowing then a QB who really flashed at the end of last season and has this potential rushing value to be someone who scores a lot of points for you. In some ways, he probably makes sense ahead of some of the more contingent types of plays, like a Trey Lance, like a Justin Fields. We know those guys are more talented. We know they're probably going to score more points once they get out there. But especially for best ball, it's that question of how many weeks are you going to be playing with less than a full roster? Which, you know, we just have these 18 guys. You have to be very careful about how you use those selections. Matt Ryan, I think a little bit of a compromise choice. I would not expect them to be as explosive this season without Julio Jones. And yet at that point, I do like him. You see the next guy is Trevor Lawrence, Baker Mayfield, uh, to kind of hoping that another good QB falls to us. The three QB was very effective in the slim last year. And especially when you don't have a top guy like we don't, then you need a third one. That again then causes this additional positional sort of quandary for us where we're going to only have swift and moss through 12 through possibly 13 rounds but we do have a lot of running back options that we like at the end of drafts
1: yeah we do and uh, i do think that you mentioned like this is one of the latest i've seen hurts going um in terms of where we would have had him it's kind of unusual he's gone from like you mentioned the finish to last season at the start of the draft season so let's say you know looking at you know april may june kind of time he was going right around that kind of range after russell wilson or in with russell wilson now he's fallen like in this draft for example uh wilson went in the seventh round along with Aaron rogers now we had like matthew stafford and brady in the eighth. In this particular draft then we have uh, we've got him there in the 11th round so he has now i don't see him dropping as far as this in a lot of drafts but he is dropping um quite a bit from the start off the um kind of where the draft would have started after the nfl draft but there's always been those lingering kind of words around obviously there's been talk at times of you know the eagles been inter- interested in the, like, the likes of deshaun uh jackson or deshaun watson sorry but i do think that Hurts should be the starting quarterback all season long he started and showed flashes at the end of last season has the ability to rush as well so i think at that there it's a, it's a no-brainer pick in the 11th i think he probably should be going in that probably ninth round range overall so we'll see how the season starts off it could uh, tumble very quickly but we do know that those quarterbacks with the the rushing ability as well um can really bolster those numbers so i think we've uh, got a good uh, good setup there i know i'm more into ryan than than you sean this year and i do agree with you in terms of the explosive nature of the offense versus uh, not having julio jones but i think if you're getting in there in the, the 12th round um i think it is still uh, a good pick but i really like what we've done at wide receiver we've got Ridley we've got lamb we've got godwin Tyler Boyd, Juju Smith-Schuster, and then Rondell Moore, um, who flashed as well in the preseason. And um, I think uh, the other question, Sean, I would have just for the draft in general is, I thought it was quite interesting. You mentioned the tight ends going off the board early in those first three rounds. Uh, team two goes with Kelsey and Pitts through three rounds. Team three has Waller and Hawkinson, and then Team ten has Kittle and Mark Andrews. That ties in with a question that was sent in by our, one of our listeners, Kevin. Uh, sent in a question regarding a tight end premium FFPC league that he did. So, um, same format as this. He got Waller in the first, took Kittle in the second, and then went for Mark Andrews in the third. So, I'm going to tie it in to to that question, and we we see three teams here go for two tight ends through three rounds. What's your thoughts on doubling up early? Um, I've done a few times this year, but it's something that I only would sprinkle in occasionally. Is that two tight end very early in the in the draft especially and obviously you're getting that tight end premium as well at the ffpc what's your thoughts on going two or three tight end early in those best ball drafts
2: i like it because it gives you a chance to really dominate this position that we know is important and i think that we're getting more confident in the specific guys who are going in that range to where we can feel comfortable that the talent is there, right? And so it's not a matter of okay, well, we're just loading up in order to load up to try and steal these uh, the volume of players from other drafters. You have to be able to score points when you're drafting someone that early. So it's extremely important that you believe in the talent of those players. One of the things that we do see is it creates a little bit more of an issue in terms of the upside. That you have in in the roster. If you go to the Slim Roster Construction Explorer, you look in there, you find out that if you take the two tight ends in the first three rounds, then you end up with an average win rate, a below average, really high score. So that top two percentile is a little bit lower. You do have a very good top six percentage. And so, you know, if you're playing in a situation where you're trying to finish in the top half, I think that it makes a lot of sense. One of the things that we can see here is that if we then, you know, wait on, the running back through the first picks, we see an even higher top six percentage, but the win rate drops down as you know the total number of teams that are using that approach gets to be pretty low. So I think that it probably understates the chances that teams can make this work. Because the generally the people who are using this really tight end heavy approach are not following the rest of the elements from the workshop. You know they don't have the RV approach to the draft in general. I think that if we saw more of that, that we would also see better results for you know this type of strategy. But if we look at it from a sort of broader perspective, and we're not focused on the FFPC $100,000 tournament. We're not focused on the slim version where we have so few picks and maybe need to space it out more. This has actually been extremely effective in the FFPC Classic, right? So we have an 11% win percentage. You have the top two percentile is double the expected. I mean, you're really crushing it in that format, and so I like it there where you have the 28 picks. You can also obviously use your kicker strategy, your your defensive tactics. Make sure that you're following the preferred approach. The slim is just so tricky in that we're so limited in what we can do with the roster. We have so many people. We have to be so perfect with it that you start to get in a position where now your running back options aren't what you need. Your wide receiver options aren't what you need. You get into that issue that we just discussed with the QBs where, you know, how do you fill all of those positions and do it sort of early enough and it's, it's kind of this race where we're fighting to get all of these picks into the first 10 11 rounds and you're kind of thinking well if i had an extra pick or two extra picks then it becomes very easy but obviously you don't in these best ball tournaments you have exactly that one pick every 12 selections and you have to be so precise in terms of how you're playing it also kind of wanted to look at this question in terms of the three tight end early uh, that one even more aggressive, and it, it's really hard to look at that and say, okay, well, this is what the evidence tells us, because so few teams have done it. If you use a four tight end approach in the classic with this three tight end early, then you win at like an 11% rate. So again, very very effective. If you go in in kind of a different direction with that, then the numbers overall aren't quite so good. So. You know, some strengths, some weaknesses, some potential red flags there. You still want to use the preferred four tight end approach as opposed to going down to three tight ends, going up to five tight ends, that kind of a thing. If we look at it in the slim, people basically haven't done it, right? But I like it. I think that there are ways that you can make that play out. And if you're hitting on these tight ends, then we know you're going to crush the league at that position. You're going to do well in the flexes. It is an interesting thing where if you're talking about three tight ends and you can only play three tight ends, then you really have sort of pigeonholed those players for those slots with your high value picks, which means now we don't have as much flexibility in terms of how things could play out. And one of the things that we want with the tight ends or we want to have enough upside That when they hit they can be one of our options in the flex so with in the ffpc with the tight end premium with the double flexes then we're kind of thinking okay at least one flex is going to be a wide receiver we need to have that happen in order to have a optimized roster and then a lot of weeks the second flex will also be a wide receiver some weeks that second flex will be the tight end if we have a good tight end which also makes sure that we're dominating that tight end slot and then every once in a while you know if we hit on a lot of our zero rb candidates then the flex could even be a running back. But ideally the thing there is that we're trying to make sure that those running back one and running back two slots don't create too much of a drag on our roster. So it does get a little bit tricky when you start to take too many players at positions that don't have as many starting slots because then we don't have the overall flexibility to make sure that those flex positions are maximized every week. So that'd be kind of the thing that I would think about there, but all the listeners know we do like going heavy at the tight end we do like dominating the tight end if you can do that then it's almost like having an extra starting spot on your roster if you get into these situations where you've really waited then it's going to be hard to be competitive which is sort of the point that davis Maddock made when he drafted with us on the stealing bananas show for the football guys version of the ffpc season long contest so Some strengths, some weaknesses, at least some things to think through and consider when you're on the clock there. Now, the question comes from one of our listeners who's been in the listener league, also in some other leagues uh, with me, is very sophisticated and doing a great job with this. So I'm feeling strongly that he's he's going to make this work for him. But it's a cool question to have there. It's a good sort of thought experiment to go through. How will these tight ends work for us in these best ball leagues?
1: yeah and i think the other thing it's interesting to see the value he sent a screenshot as well um in terms of the values he's got but you know he 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 followed that up with cd lamb dj moore adam Thielen, Chenault, then he had ronald jones aj dillon jarvis landry Devin singletary just to, to go through some of them we've got rondell moore later on darrington evans later on uh, so there might be some question marks in that team then at the quarterback position as well but he did mention he's thinking about it in the ball tournament so you mentioned the slim format and it hasn't really been done so uh, Kevin will be watching along to see how you uh, bring down the the best ball tournament this year with that three tight end early approach but you also hinted at you know trying to to get the wide receivers to make that count and as we've seen in the listener league and we'll see how that plays out as well but um, two of the guys who have gone with those two tight ends early have followed it up with three other running backs uh, in those first six picks and no wide receivers through those opening six picks so we'll see how it plays out throughout the season but a good question Thanks to Kevin for sending that in, and uh, we'll be talking some wide receivers after the break.
0: Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12-month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021, and you're gonna save 10%.
3: So, Sean, you wrote a
1: piece up on the website this week about Robert Woods being drafted at his ceiling and three discounted options available at or below their floors. So for long-time listeners of the show, these names... the, they're probably already drafting uh, some of them but uh, the guys coming in in that range are, are Tyler Boyd, Jarvis Landry and Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, all the guys I think are, are very intriguing this season we've talked recently uh, we always talk about Boyd I guess but we've talked a little bit more about Landry in some of our draft podcasts recently and uh, how he is kind of a bit like Boyd undervalued each and every year I think until they retire they'll continue to be undervalued. Juju uh, Smith-Schuster though is an interesting name who fits in that kind of Bounce back uh, category, but is it a case that you think these guys will have a, the potential to outscore Robert Woods? Is it just that we're looking to find those guys at their value, and, and how do you feel about Robert Woods himself at his current ADP? I guess we're not really trying to get those guys who are drafting at the sitting value. Exactly,
2: it, it, it's a little bit of both, right? To where I do think, and I'll go through the reasons here in just a second, that at least one, if not several, of these guys could outscore woods straight up at the same time there are a lot of great things about woods profile and we feel very confident in him as an nfl player he's a skilled guy he fits very well what the rams want to do they're going to have that upgrade with matthew stafford it's going to be a season in which you have in all likelihood a competent starting qb and yet less target competition so you look back at these seasons where jared goff was really playing well and Woods played well, Cup played well, but they either had Sammy Watkins or they have Brandon Cooks. And so you're like, okay, well, they have the third option that's going to really weigh on the target share. And you don't have the extreme upside that maybe you had this season where you don't have the Watkins, you don't have the Woods, you don't have uh, Cooks. You don't have that elite third guy, but at the same time, we didn't have that last year either. And Woods from a, a target share perspective is still limited into that low 20 range. Now, One of the things I think that people are excited about when we look forward to this season is that last year, you know, Goff really collapsed. And so he really wasn't the same guy he was from the previous seasons. So now if you have Woods without that target competition and you have Matthew Stafford, then maybe you have some room to grow here. I I think it's possible that Woods has a career season. I think it's possible, if not in some ways, somewhat likely that he's a solid pick at his level. At the same time, one of the things that we're looking to do in our leagues is to have exposure to a variety of wide receivers and have exposure to profiles at the point in a draft where you can really only get that profile or that profile is the best value. So if we think of maybe the three profiles, we would want to have elite league-smashing wide receivers. So, you know, the Hill guys, the Diggs guys, and the players like you know Jefferson or Brown, people who are going to be either moving into that category or right kind of on the cusp of that category the second group would be these breakout wide receivers players who are likely to jump multiple rounds in terms of 2022 adp and maybe then you know join that top tier and then our third group is undervalued wide receivers and the clones for woods fit that category where woods doesn't so the thing that we're looking at here is that these four guys are very similar in terms of their target profiles right Decently high target volume, but they're not targeted very deep down the field. If we look at the air yards per target for all three of them, you have Woods at 7.6, Boyd at 7.9, Landry at 8.9. Has actually taken a little bit of a leap with the Browns. And then Juju Smith-Schuster at 7. This is kind of over the last two years. We see these guys. They're very good at creating yards after the catch. They're very good at creating or turning air yards into actual yards. In part, that's because of the elite skill. In part, it's because you're going to have a higher catch rate for targets that are this shallow we like these guys but they have the same target profile if you look at them from last season right and you include the playoffs which several of their teams made then you actually have smith schuster leading in targets leading in receptions leading in yards leading in touchdowns leading in receiving fantasy points over expectation leading in scoring and so the fact that smith schuster is a lot cheaper i think is something to consider now we know again this target competition element that both smith schuster and boyd are dealing with there's a potential for both of these guys where they're being drafted if one of the receivers in front of them goes down that they'll have a real leap with boyd one of the things that i think is interesting is that we talk about and we think about jamar chase coming in okay well this could really change the target volume situation and yet There were actually a lot of targets going to other players during the time period last year where Boyd played with Burrow and averaged over 16 points per game, right? You have A.J. Green during that stretch as the number seven guy in all of football and air yards. Now, we know that he was extremely inefficient, one of the reasons why he was shipped out or allowed to go over to the Cardinals, but Chase could replace a lot of that volume. Boyd will still score. Then we have this sort of comparison between Woods and Jarvis Landry where Woods is actually being drafted above his best ever per game finish and Landry is being drafted 10 slots below his worst per game finish. And so when you look at the huge differences there in terms of value and what the receivers would have to do, one of the things that we have with Landry is that he was recovering from his hip injury last year at the same time that the Browns were playing a very conservative offensive approach. Then you had this explosion down the stretch where he averaged 19.2 points per game over the final five weeks. He averaged over 18 and a half points a game during these two playoff contests. It's actually pretty similar to that slow stretch that Woods had in the first half of 2019. Came back, finished strong, had a solid 2020 season. He wasn't punished to nearly the same effect. In terms of adp that landry has been and so when we're looking at how these guys sort of project out in the range of outcomes tool when we look at how they project in terms of cost to production then the other three guys are, are very very clear choices and again it doesn't mean that woods couldn't work out for you because i think that he can i mean there are a lot of reasons why he can but again if we're trying to make sure that we have Exposure to different profiles, we can get Woods value so much later where you can't get the other guys who are being drafted in that same range that much later. And so that's why I think that you might move off of Woods and onto these other three players. The other thing I think with Woods is that there's going to be some sort of subtle target competition or stealth target competition from guys like Van Jefferson, Deshaun Jackson, the tight ends. And so I don't know that you're going to see the target share increase to a point where he can be a true league winner that again kind of filters into this choice of woods versus the other guys you know is there really going to be that big of a difference in the target shares and then the overall just raw target numbers from woods to guys like boyd and juju smith schuster
1: yeah no i would agree uh 100 i i like robert woods as a player um like them Um, for the last couple of years but I I do 100% agree here and if you look at the the difference just in where you can get these guys and the the players going off the board in that same range as Robert Woods it makes it very very intriguing Uh, he hasn't been somebody I've drafted very much this year and I haven't drafted much of say for example Cooper Cup either and I think part of that is I, I do think the move from Jared Goff to um, Matthew Stafford has kind of inflated those prices a little bit and you mentioned like the difference between Landry's finishes and Woods finishes and I think part of that as well is down to like people aren't that pushed on Baker Mayfield now they're not that pushed on the Browns this time last year people were talking about the Browns as you know possible Super Bowl contender they're probably in a better position right now than they were this time last year I think the expectation is probably more realistic um, and I think that that's been priced and Jarvis Landry as I mentioned is somebody who tends to be undervalued and then with the situation with uh, Baker Mayfield and the expectation around him I think in general from the mainstream uh, is giving you that reduced price so uh, I really like Boyd and Landry and I, I I think I'll probably always be a little bit attached to Juju Smith-Schuster so i think they're all very um interesting wide receivers at their current values um would highly recommend the listeners to go ahead and get those in that listener league we talked about we did grab tyler boyd and Juju smith schuster in that one so hopefully that'll work out for us as the season goes along that's going to bring us to the end of today's show as i mentioned at the start we will have one more listener league if you're interested let me know uh send it my way at overtime at gmail.com if you're interested in playing one of those ffpc leagues along with ourselves drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app we are at 116 on the road of his ot usa feed for apple podcast let's get that boosted up over the the next couple of days and the, the next week or so let's make sure we get above that 120 mark anyway i guess over the the next couple of days but that's going to wrap us up. As always, you can get a 10% discount to RotoViz NFL Pass. All you have to do is add the code rv radio 2021 at checkout. Go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overton Marlin. My co host is Sean Siegel. You can check out the piece that we discussed today as one of Sean's. You can check that out on rotaviz.com and all his other great work. Until we're back with another one, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rodavis Radio. Please rate and review the Rodavis Radio Podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotevizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rodavis Radio homepage, roadoviz.com forward slash podcast.